Okay, uh, today we're going to start in, where are we going? Hebrews chapter 2. Um, just a, well, about a month ago, I looked at a topic called From the Inside, and um, it had to do uh, with nature of Jesus Christ and who He is and so forth. Um, just to review a couple of points that we looked at at that time. Uh, we looked at the at the fact that they had spirit when when Jesus was here, and yet he was talking about something greater that would be coming, and that couldn't happen until he had left, until he had gone. He told them about the coming spirit, talking about dwelling with you at the time and shall be in you, and he said, "I will come to you. I in you. I will manifest myself to you. How from the inside." We will make our abode in you, he said. And we looked at Christ in you, where we, I live no longer, but living in me is Christ. And this leading of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, as it's sometimes called, or Christ in you, the new nature, is, is not a fleshly thing. It's not based on the works of the flesh. It's from the inside. It's, it's an internal reality that we have, and which is the only way that we can ever walk uh, and the way we're encouraged to do with the mind of Christ, the consolation, the mercies. Um, and and the reason we even looked at that topic so is that it, it should give us greater appreciation and confidence of what Christ in us means. Otherwise, why bother? What's the point of just having more knowledge and education? There's no benefit. It's to understand and appreciate exactly why what was given to us was greater than what they had in the Gospels. Otherwise, why couldn't we just have gotten that? And there was something greater. Um, so to continue, I know I had some, there were some questions I was asked. Uh, one of them was uh, the comment that I had made about Jesus Christ being a spiritual being. Because uh, 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 we were talking, and where it says in uh, the book of Luke, um, Jesus Christ makes a statement. He says, He um, says, a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have, Luke chapter 24. And so how could, you know, when he says that, why can he say he's a spirit? We'll look at that today, just to, to clarify that. Um, the first thing uh, I wanted to share with Hebrews chapter 2, you see, the, some, some of the problems that I believe exist when it comes to understanding who Jesus Christ is, is because we have pictures that have been made of him. Um and first of all, they're not based on any anything that we know of. Um, but anyway, wherever they came from, wherever the origin was, there's pictures of a human being. And he was a human being, obviously. But I think sometimes we leave it there, that that's who he was, and that's who he is, and that's not true. And so sometimes when we, we, we imagine when the Bible talks about Jesus Christ, we the pictures of you know men who have played him in various movies or whatever come to our mind. And where what should come to our mind is, what do the scriptures say about him? And what is the reality of who he is today? And what does it mean to us? And that's, that's, we only garner that from the scriptures, not from pictures or anything like that. Now, we do understand that he had to, without question, be a man. We know that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, where I asked you to turn. And I will now turn there. So just to briefly look at that. In Hebrews used to be in my Bible. Okay. Verse 16, it says, For 
Verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, which would have been spiritual, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, which was physical, the man part. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be of merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." And in First Timothy chapter 2, again, verses you're very welcome, familiar with, but just to you know, cover that very simple truth that he had to be a man. First Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And in Romans chapter 5, Romans 5, the whole chapter obviously, but just to look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, who we know as Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. Um, and Second Corinthians chapter 5, please. So we know that he had to be a man in order to accomplish man's redemption. He had to be. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us a very interesting truth as well. Verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. And unfortunately, um, that's about as far as many people get, is to know him after the flesh. That's the images, the pictures, and so forth, and you know, the, you know, the ads about washing each other's feet and all these things that... You know, um, so people still think, well, he's just that man. And, and it's not here. He says, we don't know him after the flesh anymore. He's not here as a man anymore. He's, and and that's, not, that's not the reality of who he is right now. And here um, in verse 17, any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? So when we have Christ, we are also new creations old things are passed away behold all things are become new they are not the same and so to understand a little, that a little bit we have to again just cover the exaltation of Jesus how he was exalted from what he was which was a man he was a man he walked the earth he had a ministry he he, he spent time with people he ate and all these things from that point god took him to where he is today, which is not where he was when he was here. And that's the part that I think, you know, will help us to understand what the greater thing was that they got. And it will also help us to understand why much of the Christian world think he's God. But he's not. And in order to understand that, you know, we have to understand what God did to him, not to himself. Acts chapter 2. And we did look at some of this a, year, a couple of years ago, but just to cover some of those topics again. 
just understand his spiritual nature. Acts 2.36 Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified. When they crucified him, he was a man. Right? He was just a man. Whom you crucified, he, he made him a Lord and Christ. That's what God did for him or to him in exalting him. In Acts chapter 5, no particular order, just a number of scriptures that talk about, there's a lot more than this, but we'll just look at a few. Acts 5.30, the God of our fathers, is that where we're going? 5.30, yeah. Yeah, hath raised, sorry, a God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted. Was he exalted when he was here? Him hath God exalted. He did that after with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. God exalted him. In um, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And in verse 8 of Philippians 2, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. So to think of him as he was when he was here is, is, is diminishing to who he is today. Because God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a position that people don't necessarily understand. And sometimes when people maybe read these verses, they see this, they think He's God. And you can see why they might think that, because He's head over everything except God. But he's no longer just the man who walked the earth with his earthly ministry. He's, exalt, he's been exalted to much more than that. And we have to understand that. Because you know, later we're going to see, we have him inside us. And that's, you know, it's, that's, pretty, that's a very astounding truth, to be sure. In Ephesians chapter 1. Again, just some you know, few background verses on understanding how he was exalted. And this one we all know. Verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe according to the working of his mighty power, which God's mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. At that point, the exaltation, when you know, what he did, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And we're going, you know, I think we all know this, but setting him at his own right hand doesn't mean that there's this man, Jesus Christ, sitting on on the right hand of something. No, it, it's talking about the authority that's been given to him. How, what authority he now has at God's right hand. That's his authority, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named. He's above it all except God. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Even these statements here should make it very, very obvious that he can't not just be a physical being that's doing this. You know, there is a so-called head of the church in the world today. He lives in a certain place. And if you want to talk to him or somebody else wants to talk to him and he wants to talk to you, he's going to deal one-on-one. That's all he can do. Well, here, the real head of the church has access to all the members. And how does a man, a human being, accomplish that? You cannot do that. He's a spiritual being. He was raised and exalted to a position that, you know, few, I think, realize. And then some, some, some do realize it, take him up and make him to be the top man, God. And that's not the case. That's not what it says here. God exalted him and gave him an, above every name that is named. Made him head of the church, Lord and Christ, Savior. All these things that he did for him and raised him. So the position that he has now right, is not just knowing him after the flesh when he's washing people's feet and all the wonderful things, great things. But the ability and the authority he has now is far greater than that. Far, far greater than that. Okay, so look at, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to understand a little bit more about what I said about him being a spiritual being. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. With that background of understanding that he was exalted. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But some man will say, and this is talking about, uh, well, we'll just read it. How are, they ra- how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So, you know, you say, well, they're going to be raised. What kind of body will they have? Thou fool, thou fool, which that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. So the thing you put in the ground is not what you get out, right? That's, that's not what happens. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. And all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is... One glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also, this comparison uses, so also, he says, is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. So first you have corruption, but what comes up is incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. So he's comparing one to the other. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in in power. So all the things that apply also to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in corruption, you know, um, weakness, dishonor. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. See how he makes that comparison all the way down. He tells you it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so, it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The second, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. He's a spiritual being. That's what the scriptures tell us. Uh, in, in the working translation that is translated, so it has also been written, the first human, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. 
Was he a life-giving spirit when he was here? No, he was not. He became a life-giving spirit when God raised him from the dead and set him his old right hand and exalted him. That's when it happened. That's what we just read that in First Corinthians, didn't we? So now just to briefly stop there a second. So now that he has a spiritual body, spiritual being, let's look at John chapter 20. I want to address that topic, uh, that uh, comment about a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. In John chapter 20. Let's take a look at a couple of verses here. In chapter 20, uh, verse 26. And after eight days... Again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace be unto you. So he came, the doors were shut, but he appeared there. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. So think about that. So here he is, he comes to these men, and you know Thomas hadn't really copped on yet. So he said, look, take a look, go stick your hand in my side where he was pierced, right? Where you see what's going. So you're telling me that Jesus Christ, after he was raised from the dead, sat at on God's right hand, exalted above all power, that he still had a wound in his side? Silly, isn't it? But could he make that appear? Of course, it's a spiritual being. He could do what he needed to do to, with, with, with the body that he had now been given to the point that he could even show him the wounds that were. You think those wounds still exist where he's seated at God's right hand today? Of course not. But in order to help Thomas, could he do that? Of course. He's a spiritual being. Physical beings can't do that. Let's look at some more. Look at uh, Luke chapter 24. That's how he could say, you know, spirit hath. And by the way, that section where he talks about a spirit hath not flesh and bones here in Luke 24 as well. They thought he was a ghost when he said that. They thought he was a spirit, a ghost. He goes, no, no, I'm not a ghost. Luke 24, verse 30. So we have to get our minds beyond thinking of him as just a human being. That's my point here. We have to, we have to, think, we have to get beyond that because the scriptures tell us what he is. In order to understand his exalted position and the benefit it has to us while we're here, the things we're doing, we have to understand him and who he is and the authority God has given us in him. In Luke 24, verse, uh, where am I going? 30, I think. Yeah. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread. And this is on the when he's talking to those, young, those men. And blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Okay, well, that, there's something a physical body can't do. He vanished, disappeared. Same way in which he was able to show Thomas these wounds in his side, he could disappear in front of those guys and be gone. Totally gone. And what was it allowed him to descend and ascend to God? How does a, how does a human being just do that? He can't. Right? He's a spiritual being. He's been given authority and he's been exalted far above. Oh, that's why he can do those things. Look at um, Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation or citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, 
according to his working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. So thus, what he now had, he's going to give to us. That's what we're going to get. That's what has been promised to us. And what we have now, the earnest, the token, the spirit inside us right now, is a token of that promise. It's a part of it. It's not all. It's, there's a greater reality coming, and that's going to happen at that time. But we get a little inkling of what some of what that reality is when we see what Jesus Christ can do and what position He now has, like onto His glorious body. Does that mean we're all going to have long hair? And that, no, nothing, nothing to do with all that stuff. Nothing at all. We have to understand what His seating, what His position is, now to understand what these truths mean. So. Um, Back to 1 Corinthians 15 again. 1 Corinthians 15. We stopped in 45, I believe. Yeah, 45. Verse 44, it is so in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a spiritual body, and there is a, sorry, there is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a light living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The earth, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is a Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. This I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. It's not a physical truth. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up. In victory, so this is this is where it's all going, and we get an inkling of some of that when we look at what Jesus Christ is today. Look at Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. This is not some of these verses we're looking at here. They, you know, they don't they just make no sense if you just keep thinking of Jesus Christ as being a body and soul as a man. They, they don't make any sense. But when you think about the amazing power and authority that He has now. Above everything, all of it, just like Pharaoh said to Joseph, only in the throne am I greater than you. Right? You know, God said <laughs> basically that type, but only in the throne, God is greater than Jesus Christ. Other than that, he's got all this incredible authority that he has where he is. Ephesians 4, verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he, he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he descended, ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, and that he might fill all things. How does a physical being possibly 
fill all things. No, I can't. Spiritual being, yes, you can fill things. And we'll see that, a little bit more of that, in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How could that even be possible if it was just a human being? Like, can't be. Spiritual being, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You see, the, the image you get of what the, what the scriptures portray of Jesus Christ is not some guy sitting behind a desk handling trouble tickets, as a man might do, but you get this image of a spiritual being that God is seated God, you know, at God's right hand with the authority and power to do a lot, right? Um, in Romans chapter 8, we read this last time, but we're going to read it again. Romans chapter 8. And it's great, because He's our Lord. What a blessing to have somebody with that kind of authority being on our side, being our advocate, being interceding for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In, verse, in the working translation, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Since the Spirit from God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit, that is to say, Christ, then he does not belong to him. The Spirit, that is to say, Christ. What is the Spirit that we have within us? What is the characteristic and the nature of that spirit the bible calls it christ in second corinthians chapter 3 second corinthians chapter 3 uh, Verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Again, the working translation. Now the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit from the Lord is, there, it, from, there is freedom. Lord is that Spirit. It says, it says that the, the Spirit in us is called Christ. Um. In order for him to fulfill the responsibilities that he has, has to be a spiritual being. He's Lord of all except God, made higher than the heavens, all powers subject to him. Everything in heaven and earth must bow to him, head of the body, responsible to direct the members of the body. How could you do that as one-on-one? -on -one? You can't. Nourish and cherish the church. How could he possibly do that? High priest forever, the good shepherd, intercedes for us. All power given to him. Judge the living and the dead. Hold the keys to hell and death. Responsible to execute God's wrath. You see the kind of authority he has to have in order to handle all this? All these responsibilities? He has to be a spiritual being. He is. And, and you know, to be to be seated with him in the heavenlies. What exactly does that mean? Are we physically there? And otherwise we wouldn't be sitting in the living room here talking to one another. Right? 
What does it mean? It means that we have the authority. We're physically here, but we've been given the authority that he has, and the earnest is telling us just a little bit of what we have now is leading to some amazing realities in the future. That's what seated in the heavenlies means means for us. Um, and then we use the terms like God in Christ in you, Christ in you, the Spirit, new nature, Spirit of God, new birth spirit, born again. We have fellowship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all the same reality, isn't it? It's not different things. It's not seven, eight different things in us. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. Um, he is our life. And to know and understand that, we need to understand that. In Romans, God says, Reckon yourselves dead deed into sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he tells you to do. In order to understand all that this means, he goes, you reckon yourselves to be dead, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. So, you know, when you think about the difference between um, and what, what, why all that time was spent when he was there. Remember they, remember they had the spirit, they could raise the dead, they could do all these things, right? He told them something greater was coming. But what's the, what was the greater thing that came later that couldn't come when they were there? Christ. That was not the nature of what those men had, but it was going to be the nature of what they would get, and that couldn't happen until Jesus Christ was gone back up again. It wasn't possible. That's the difference. And He causes it, doesn't He? We always talk about Christ in you. He said all the time, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God in Christ in you, the Holy Spirit. That was the difference. Galatians chapter 2, please, to close. Again, there's a lot on this, but, you know, just touching on it today. Galatians chapter 2, to close. Verse 20. Read this last time again. We'll read again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Is that a physical human being thing that lives within you? What, 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 is, what, is, what, is, what is that new life that is within you? We call it by a lot of different things, don't we? We call it Christ and we call it the Holy Spirit, born again, new birth spirit. All these things we call, what, is, what does the Bible call it? Christ. Christ living within me. How can Christ live in every believer on the face of the earth if he's a physical being? He can't do that. See, he's a spiritual being. He's the head, and he lives within every believer. Christ lives within me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I hope this helps us to raise our expectancy a little bit more in our ability to walk like him, to, 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 to understand the authority we've been given and why God had to go through so much in order to accomplish what He did in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so...